And I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. That my soul shall make its boasts in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. I thought y'all missed that part. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. I'm not talking about magnifying anybody in this room, but magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. For I sought the Lord and he heard me. <laughs> and he delivered me from all of my fears. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Anybody know he's good? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Anybody trust him this morning? If he trusts, if you trust him, I declare he'll never let you down. <laughs> Amen. He'll never let you down because he is a good God. And he is a great God. He is a God who gives grace. And then this part I like, he also gives mercy. Grace is the goodness that you sit in right now. Y'all look good. You got good clothes on. You came here in a good car. That's grace. But mercy is that God held back what you deserve. And is there anybody here that can thank God for his mercy? The Bible says they are brand new every morning. Thank him for his mercy. Because he's been good. Amen, 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 amen. That's right, that's right. Amen. We serve a God who is worthy to be praised. Worthy to be praised. Oh, man, amen. So, so we're not in front of you very long. I assure you, if you're, not, if you're a Falcons fan, don't worry. It's going terribly right now. Amen, don't worry, amen, amen. You would. I had to say that because I am. Amen. Lord have mercy. Let's turn to our Bibles. In the book of Acts, chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. I want to thank God again for the mere opportunity to be able to stand in the presence of God's people to preach what thus saith the Lord. Give honor again for our pastor. He is on assignment this morning. Praise God for him. Sister Bev. Acts chapter 9. We'll begin our reading with the 10th verse. And if you will, from the English Standard Version, go with me thusly. Word of God. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. 
And he said, here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard many about this man. How much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And there he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. Laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. He rose and was baptized and taken food. He was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. And that is the word of God for the people of God. If you would allow me this morning just a few moments to label this lesson and tag this title to this text significance in the savior significance in the savior we live in a world where everybody or seemingly a lot of people are in the search for significance. We live in a world that is full of messages and messaging where people sit on the side of their devices, their phones, their tablets, and their computers. They set up accounts hoping to get friends, to get followers. To have people to tag them wherever they are. That we live in a world where this device or these devices are used for people to search for significance. And I'll be honest, people of God, and I hope y'all honest with me. I'll be honest. I sometimes go out and look at my page or pages and find out who's following me, who's Tagging me. Who's looking at me? How many friends do I have? Because I too can get caught up in this world of searching for significance. 
But I come this morning to encourage you wherever you may be in your life right now, wherever you are in life, I come to tell you, you don't have to search for significance anymore. Because if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, I come to tell you that your life is already significant. That people may not know your name. People may not know where you work. People may not know how much money that you have or you don't have. But if you have a life with Jesus Christ, I declare to you today, your life is significant. And I see a lot of y'all looking at me wondering, well, I'm still in the place I'm in. I still have struggles, but that don't mean that your life ain't significant because Jesus, when he saved you, when he sanctified you, he made your life significant. And I'm coming to let you know right in the text, we see this significance. The text is the latter half of God's call to Saul of Tarsus and many of us that even if you don't go to church you know Saul that some folk in the world believe if 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 you were to search the annals of libraries there's probably one person beside Jesus himself that scholars and writers write about in the Christian world uh, with such great and force is Saul of Tarsus. For it is him who, who was the one that brought the message of the gospel to folk who look like you and me, Gentiles. Saul was the one chosen by God to take the message from Jerusalem all the way to the uttermost parts of the world. And if you are saved like I am, it is because of the influence of this man named Saul. I'm talking about a guy with a big old name. We know Saul of Tarsus. Born a Roman citizen, according to Acts 22, he was also a Jew of Jews, according to Philippians 3 and 5. Paul is a man who lives in four worlds. You can't get more big than he is. He is a Roman citizen, so he probably knows Latin. He's also born into a world that was Greek, so he knew Greek. We knew that, but he was also a Hebrew, and he knew Aramaic. He is a man born at least with three languages in three worlds. And many folks said that if he were living today, he'd have the equivalent of three PhDs. We know Saul. And he is significant to us. Matter of fact, when I did my little study, my thesis was on the first Corinthian letter that Paul has in his in, in the Bible. He's significant, y'all. Even in my own study, he's significant. But I come to tell you, there is a man in this text that if it wasn't for him, we might not never, ever know. Who Saul was. 
And I come to let you know if I want to pause. Sometimes don't worry about folk who have a bigger stage than you. Don't worry about folk who have more presence than you because somebody was in their life way back when that you don't know about who helped bless them to get where they are. Is there anybody here that there was somebody in your life? That you met a long time ago and God has given you a platform and a stage and they were in your life and they were the ones who put you there. This is the search for significance. That, that, that Saul has a big name in the church and in history. But I come to declare you today that his name wouldn't be nothing if it were Ananias of Damascus and the crazy thing about it I know you probably this may be some folk first time ever hearing about Ananias of Damascus but I declare that Ananias of Damascus was the instrument that God used to bless the brother Saul to give him the platform to preach the gospel that you and I might one day hear is there anybody here that can thank God that no matter where you are or how insignificant you think you are God can touch your life and make Make it significant. Go with me, if you will, to see how God can make you significant. You know the story. Many may not, but Saul actually first appeared to us in Acts in the seventh chapter. He appeared to us. This writer, Luke, has a gifted way of writing because he foreshadows who this man might be. And he does it in such a way that in chapter 7, a man named Stephen preached the gospel. Folk got mad at Stephen and declared and went on to stone him to death. And Saul was there, y'all. And he was there acting as judge, jury, and executioner at the death of Stephen. Saul was there, y'all. The Bible says that he was there, and when the stoning began, Saul stood there and then solicited his services to hold the coats and the cloaks for the folk that wanted to stone Stephen. That's why I said he was also the executioner because the Bible says it like this. He was consenting unto his death. That Saul was there while Stephen was dying and he was consenting to his death. And in my mind's eye, because he thought he was right, can't you see that he probably had a little grin on his face while they were stoning Stephen to death? But he didn't know his life was being set up for the same God Stephen was preaching about. Was going to one day rescue him from his sin. Uh, Can I pause there parenthetically one minute and, and say this? Can we thank God that he rescues us from the light that he shines on the darkness in our life? When we see Saul, we see him as a wretched sinner, but God shines the light on him, and God has a way to save both sinners 
and strengthen both saints. That's what he does for Saul. Saul comes back into the picture two chapters later. He goes to the chief priest in Jerusalem because Saul believes that these folk who believe that Jesus is Lord, they're in the wrong. And the Bible says that he goes to the chief priest and asks for letters to arrest them. Don't miss it. Not in Jerusalem. Not in Judea. Not in Samaria. But in Damascus. Y'all ain't feeling me right now. I wish you wish it. Not in Jerusalem. Not in Judea. Not in Samaria. But in Damascus. That this cat was so mean. That he didn't want to go where he knew about. He said, I'll even go to a foreign country. Give letters for him and bring them back so I can get them arrested for myself. That's where we find him on the road to Damascus. Jesus shows up to Saul. I got one person with me. I wish we would understand that all of us were on a dark road one day. And you ought to thank God that it wasn't you searching for him, but he was looking for you and he found you on your dark road. Saul on his way to do his bad stuff. I love how the Bible works in conjunction with itself because this same Saul will later tell us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Is there anybody here that can thank God while I was still doing the dirt in the dark, he died for me. That, 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 that many of us may not, many, there are many with us that may not know our story. And that's all right. Because God knows. And I, I, I come to think, I thank God that some folk don't know my story. Because y'all be like, Brother Jason, you got to get out of that pulpit and you need to. Turn in your license and your ordination and go do something else because I knew you when you were. All right, all right. But don't y'all look at me funny. Everybody in here got a when you was testimony. But you ought to thank God that when you were on your way, on your down road, that God came to you. That's what he does. God comes to Saul in the middle of his sin. Shows up to him. And the, the, the thing I love about it, the Bible always agrees in witnesses. Um, there are some scholars who believe, and, and particularly one in particular whom I love, Sayun Kim, who uh, wrote his PhD back in 1977, uh, about and he made it into a book, The Origin of Paul's Gospel, speaks of this as a theophany. It is an appearance of God or Christ at a place. But, but what, we, what we like about it is he shows up, Saul has a band of folk with him. Jesus shows up, but the folk don't see Jesus. Yeah. 
Only Saul does. But the Bible says they hear Jesus talking. I'm trying to help somebody. When Jesus comes to get you, he has a way of speaking right to your heart, even when folk who love you may be all around you. The Bible says a light shone to Saul. That's all it says. Don't want don't to say more than what it says. I don't know if he was on a beast or not. Bible doesn't say that. But the Bible says on his way to Damascus, a light showed up. He fell to the ground. And then the voice called his name. And aren't you glad that we serve a God who will call our name? He called his name. He said, why are you persecuting me? Let me tell you something. Your sin is always first against eternity before it's against your brother. Oh, y'all missed it. I believe more folk could be saved if they realized that their sin reverberated in the eternal corridors of heaven even before it got down here. That sinners smell to God long before the stink gets to us. And I was once a sinner, y'all, and so I did too. I'm not trying to call anybody out, but thank God. That he can smell us and our sin and still call our name. He calls him. Says, he says, you're fighting against me. And I love Saul. Well, he said, who are you? I don't know who's speaking to me. He says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you. To kick against the pricks. That's right. King James says the goals. That anytime we live a life of sin, we're kicking against the sharp righteousness of God. And I always wonder why sinners wonder why their life is so bad. Because you're kicking against God. That's what happens. He kicks against God. And Saul is now, according to Kim, he was not only captured on that day by Jesus. But he was chosen by Jesus. He was called by Jesus in this moment. And he's also being commissioned by Jesus. That Jesus at one time saved him, called him, commissioned him to do the work of the master. I'm trying to help somebody. Stop looking at folk and where they were because you don't know what Jesus already has done for them in the midst of their lives right now. Called him and commissioned him. But now, the light or whatever blinds Saul. And he makes his way now not on his own, but being carried because he can't see. 
into Damascus where he was going to arrest other folk. But thank God that he can capture us before we can do our due to others. And that's what he does. He captures Saul and they bring him into a man's house named Judas. And now enter in the story of another man whom God has called. Ananias of Damascus. One thing I love about Ananias, the, uh, the, the uh, D. Edmund Hebert actually says that Ananias is not part of the folk in Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit broke out and then when they brought persecuting the church that scattered to Damascus. He wasn't part of that group that ran away. But he probably was born in Damascus, lived in Damascus. And what the text says, if y'all hang with me, in chapter 10, it says there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. I know that don't mean nothing to you, but let me say it again. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. Uh, let me do it like this. The year was 1990. Young people, stay with me. <laughs> Crazy enough, I love it. The song they just sang was from the 90s. So it's all right. 1990 was the year. There was a baseball team that was a summer league baseball team that was grounded here in this community, right here in Gwinnett County. The North Atlanta Astros. During that summer, they won 46 of 63 games. Traveled all over the southeast and even had a tournament up in New York City and Long Island. They were a team, check these numbers, 28 players. 27 of them signed scholarships to play ball in college. Of the 27, seven went on to play professional baseball. Of the seven, four went on to play in the major leagues. It was a darn good baseball team. They were one game away from making the National World Series, uh, lost the final game in Fultondale, Alabama, two to one. Uh, and they did not make it. One of the best teams ever. Strange enough, when this team went to New York City, they won the tournament in New York City to the point where the Bayside Yankees coach said they were the best team on the Eastern Seaboard. They were a collection of fantastic young baseball players. Oddly enough, I was on that team. Don't miss it. Don't, 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 don't miss it. 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 Most of the team were made up of players from baseball powerhouses in the county and in the surrounding areas. Parkview High School, which still is a power to this day. Brookwood High School. They were from all over the Marist School, Lovett School, all over Metro Atlanta. But I was on that team. I 
graduated from Burkmar High School here in Lilburn, Georgia. Don't get it twisted, folk. At the time, Burkmar not only was not a power, they were a nobody. They were nobody. And I'll never forget sitting at home in April during the spring of 1990 and getting a phone call from Thomas Cantrell. Tommy Cantrell became my coach that summer. I didn't know who he was. He says, we have a local baseball team. And I polled the players because we needed one more player. And all the players from Parkview, and all the players from Brookwood, and all the players from South Gwinnett, they told me there's a guy <laughs> over at Bergmar. Y'all missing it. Who's a pretty good player. I think you ought to give him a call. And I was on that team. And, but I was the last player pick. I was, and I got the record, I was the youngest player on that team. But the last player picked on that team. And I know why y'all ain't shouting right now, because you're missing what I'm trying to tell you. I'm going to say it one more time for the Holy Ghost. I was the last player picked on that team. And I know why you're not shouting because you're missing or you're putting your emphasis on the wrong word. You hear last. And that's what you're worried about. But I said I was a player on that team. I'm trying to get you in the text. There was a disciple at Damascus. His name was Ananias. I'm trying to help somebody. God can do a whole bunch with somebody who ain't reverend, nobody. He ain't bishop, nobody. He ain't elder, nobody. But he's just a disciple. God can work wonders. With folk who are willing to do what God asked them to do. You ain't got to have a big name. Just be a disciple. And if you disciple long enough, God will give you a chance. Let me, let me move on. Disciple at Damascus. Syrian city. But a Jew living in this city. Name Ananias. Remember I told you the Savior can save the sinner, but he can strengthen the saint. Goes to Ananias, says Ananias, and Ananias in his disciple cell, said, here I am, Lord. When you have a relationship with Jesus, you know who's talking to you and who needs you when you've been called upon. And I said, here I am, Lord, and I can only imagine, and Ananias must have had a prayer life. Because prayer is not a one-way thing that we do. Amen. I even challenge you today, 
Stop talking so much to God. And hear what he has to say to you. And I declare there are people in the world that need you, but you too, we too busy talking to God and we miss what he's saying to us. And I said, here I am, Lord. He says, rise and go to the street called Straight at the house of Judas. Look for a man named Saul. For behold, he is praying and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias. Oh, I love this text. Saul becomes the most important missionary in the whole New Testament. God visited him and, and made a vision of him on the road to Damascus. But there were not one visit and one vision. There were two. <laughs> that Ananias, the disciple of Damascus, he also received a vision and a visit from the Lord. You ought to thank God that he just don't call folk who have big assignments that he'll call you to help somebody with that assignment. He had vision. Ananias was vision too. And because Ananias had a vision, he says, he's waiting for you to lay his hands on him. Your ministry is always overshadowed by the majesty of the master. Y'all, right, right. I'm, I'm doing the best I can. And y'all not with me. That there is a God whom we serve. Who if you are his. The hands that you have. Are just as powerful. As the hands of folk who you think got more power than you. Because their significance ain't in who they are. Their significance is in who he is. Says Ananias, today, I need you to be the minister of God. And I need some folk in here who understand that you ain't got to have a title. You ain't got to have a special gift. That God can call on you in the hour of need and you can take your hands, lay them on somebody, and they can receive their sight. I wish somebody was in here. Learn to use the hand that God gave you to help somebody else. It says, God says, Ananias, you are my minister. To brother Saul. He said and also. The Lord. The Lord will. Overcome. The failings of our fears. With power in faith. And Ananias. Hears the message of God. And then the name. It seems like it rings in his ear. Saul. I know 
who that is. And I know what he's done to the saints in Jerusalem. And Lord, you want me to go do something with him? Come here, somebody. Ain't nobody beyond the reach of the holy God. And you might be the one whom God uses to pick them up from the muck and the mire that they're in. Is there anybody here that understands God will make you significant to somebody who's always significant? I heard from him. I know about him. He is a killer. You know, he a real killer. I got a friend that at work, he did a turn at Rikers Island. And we always talk about, uh, I said, Rikers Island, man. He from New York City. He, he cool, but he, he said, yeah, but, but God saved me from all that. I left that. And we always talk about, he said, he said, no, he said, Jason, you know how people talk about doing crazy stuff? He said, then he said, they're killers and they're real killers. Paul was a real killer. He had already served papers on folk in Jerusalem. The Bible, the Bible doesn't declare it, but history said that he drug folk away, families. Men, women, and children who believed in Jesus. This is the same man who's now blind in Damascus. Ananias doesn't know he's blind, but God told him he's blind. But he needs you to help receive his sight. And so here's what I love about Ananias. He's fearful of who he has to deal with. But then God says... Go. And his faith overshadows his fear. And he goes on. I'm just trying to help somebody. It ain't, it ain't sinful to fear things. But understand the God that lives with you will give you the strength to go on. It says, it says that heard much about this man, how much he, evil he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And then he brings authority to the chief priest to bind folk in your name. The Lord says to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine. For the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. And here's the line I love. And I'll show him how much he will suffer for my name. Ananias has been chosen to lay his hands on Saul. But then God says, Saul is a bad man, a killer. But I'm going to show him that he's going to have to suffer for serving me. Come here, come here, y'all. Don't look at somebody's glory. If you don't know their story. It's the thing about Saul. He is a glorious man in the Christian history that we know right now. 
But God took him through a mess. And I can describe in the scriptures just some of the mess he went through. He was stoned at Lystra. He was shipwrecked. He also said that I was given a thorn in the flesh. And this was thorn was a special thorn from Satan himself. Don't going to get caught up in looking at where folk are now and what God is doing for them right now. Because you don't know what thorn they have in their flesh to deal with the glory that God has given them. That Ananias goes to him. So Ananias departed the house. Don't you like Ananias? Goes back to his disciple. Paul actually said that Ananias later on in Acts was a devout and good man. And we can see it right here. The Ananias ain't elder, bishop, reverend, nobody. But he's devout and a good man. I wish you would hear me. That you ain't got to have a title. But be devout and fall under his goodness. And God can give you glory. And Ananias goes to him. And watch this, y'all. I, I, don't, don't, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Ananias shows up at the house and says, I'm looking for Saul because I've been commissioned by God. Don't miss this, y'all, to lay my hands on him that he may regain his sight. That Ananias has the hands that will heal Saul of his blindness. But he also has the hands that will fill Saul with the spirit. <laughs> that you ain't got to be in a robe or a preacher. But God can choose you to lay your hands on somebody else. And you ain't giving them the spirit. But you are the instrument by which God gives the spirit to them. Oh, I hope this is challenging you. Because there's some folk on your job. It's some folk in your house. That need you to lay your hands on them. And I know the Lord has talked to you about your faith and what it can do for somebody else. It says that he laid his hands on him. And immediately, what blinded him was relieved. Said like scales fell off his eyes. And he could see. But, but, but watch how Ananias reassures him. He knows that he's talking to a killer. But he calls him brother. That anybody whom God chooses to save is a brother or a sister. He says, Brother Saul, Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, sent me that I may, that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Spirit. 
It's the last thing I want to show you about his ministry. It is thought, and it's a good thought, that the person who baptized Saul was Ananias. I'm really just trying to help you today to know that you're significant. Because God can use you in the anointing process of somebody else. If Ananias baptized Saul, I can only imagine that he had seen a baptism before. And you remember, Saul is a Jewish man. But now God has rescued him and he is a follower of Jesus Christ. And can't you see Ananias say, Saul, you can see now. And you've already been filled with the spirit. But there's something that you got to do for the other saints of God that are here in Damascus. You need to show them that you are part of God's family and be baptized. Now I'm trying to help somebody. Baptism does not save us. But baptism is the sanctifying work of God that tells everybody else that I am in his family. And I can see Ananias go down to the water and say, Brother Saul, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Ghost. And he baptized him. And now the person who looked like he was insignificant, just on his way to Damascus, he turned the whole world upside down with his gospel. And is there anybody here that can thank God for Saul? But I come to let you know you ought to thank God for Ananias. For most of us in the room are Ananiases. But God has a way of calling us on our road. Calling us in our place of seclusion. Calling us in a time of need. And we can lay our hands on somebody. And God will use them and you to turn the world upside down. You ought to be praising God right now that he can take any disciple and use them for the glory of his kingdom. That your significance is not in your house. That your significance is not in your money. That your significance is not in your social media profile. But your significance is in the Savior who made you. Who created you. On our way. But the Bible declares in Psalm 8 that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm going to give you some of Jason's theology. For years, we were told that beauty was in the eye 
of the beholder. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And how do you know, brother preacher? Because God said so. He said that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. So beauty ain't in the eye of the beholder. Beauty is in the eye of the creator. And because you've been created by God, people of God, you are beautiful where you are. And God will use you. You just have to yield yourself to him. You may build great cathedrals, large or small. You may build skyscrapers, grand or tall. You may conquer all the failures of your past. But only what you do for Christ will last. You may seek earthly power and fame. The whole world might be honored by your great name. But all the glories of this life will be all past. Only what you do for Christ will last. Remember, only what you do for Christ will last. If you will, just stand on your feet. God, God today is calling you wherever you are. Those folk who go in the aisle, there are other preachers. And so if you feel that God is calling you to salvation, but you don't want to walk by yourself, they'll help you walk. I really want to help somebody today. To know because you have been saved by the same Savior who got Paul. Your life is significant. No matter where you are, what you feel, you're significant. And the Bible declares this. The Bible declares this. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. It says in another way, it says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. This is the invitation of the same God who will give you significance. So we offer Christ to you today. Come give your life to him. We... Offer Christ to you, my sister. He will give you brand new life, life abundantly. Come on, come on. Oh, come. Come on, come on, somebody. Give your life to him. True.
Or if you're a saint in the house, lift your, lift your voice with us. Because somebody needs to hear that we offer Christ to you. Come give your life to him. We offer Christ. Oh, my sister, we Come on, come on, give your life to you. My sister, he will. Come on, give your life to Jesus. Brand new life. Life above. Oh, come. Come on, come on. That's right, that's right. Come on. Amen. That if you don't have a church home and you're already a disciple of Christ and he's calling you to have a covering, a family of faith. Come on. Come on, come on. Everything we do in the house of God, we do it for this moment here. Praying that God has spoken to your heart. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you'll come give your life. If you're a saint in the house and you're already saved, bow your heads and pray for those. That if you still got your eyes open looking at me, God is calling you. Oh, come. Come on. Amen. 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 That's right. Keep praying, saying To cry. God is calling you. God is calling you. The God of significance is calling you. Come, come. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, you may be seated. He will. He'll give you brand new life. Come on Dude. Amen. Somebody give God praise. Give God praise. Give God praise that we've had those to come. Amen. We'll, we'll hear from our clerk this morning, Pastor. Brother Haynes, we have Ngazi Clark coming for baptism. Somebody praise God. Somebody praise God. Bible declares if we lift Jesus from the earth, he said he'll draw men unto me. Amen. Brother Haynes, we have Stacy Ann Ismail coming for baptism. Amen. Amen. Give God praise. Give God praise. Give God praise. We have one for prayer. Amen. 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 
those that are coming for baptism, they're going to go with our pastor right there, Pastor Brooks. Amen. Give God praise again. Wow, that God is still in the business of saving. Amen. If we would, we would, it's now, it's now time for us to pray together anyway. And we're going to, we don't know what the situation is. And the truth, truth of the matter is it doesn't matter. Because the God we serve is a God of prayer. So stand on your feet. But anybody who feels the need or worth of prayer, come on. I'm going to ask our pastor of youth and children, Pastor Japaris Key, to come pray for us. But come on, come on. If you need prayer, it's time for prayer. And if you know God like I know him, God will do it for you. The Bible declares that we should pray without ceasing and prayer is always in order. So we're going to have Pastor Key to come. Lord, do it. stretch our hands to thee for there's no other help that we know and God if you withdraw yourself from us whither shall we go God when we laid down last night we were in your hands and when we rose this morning we remained in your care. And so, oh God, we begin this prayer thanking you for the assurance of your presence. God, that even when we go into the depths, you are there. And God, when we ascend into the heights, God, you're still there. There is nowhere where we can go where your presence is not. And so, oh God, we who are assembled here in this sanctuary, we who are assembled at this altar, oh God, are approaching this throne with that same assurance that whatever problem we are experiencing, whatever hard trial and tribulation we are going through, God, we know you have the power. You have the authority in heaven and in earth, God, to see about our needs. 
And so, oh God, we stand today. We are with standing together with our neighbors, oh God, saying, God, we need you to do it for us. God, you know what our need is. Somebody is dealing with mental health challenges and depression and wondering, oh God, where is your spirit? Where is your presence? God, somebody is dealing with a financial burden, oh God, wondering when you're going to step in. Somebody is dealing with their children, oh God, wondering if you're going to see them through. And so, oh God, we know that there is never a time that you have left us. There is never a time that you have forsaken us. There is never a time that you have left us alone. And so, oh God, right now I speak peace. I speak a word of peace over the mind that is wrestling with where you are. God, wondering how you fit into their lives, wondering if their concerns and their petitions are, are being heard by you. I speak peace. I speak resolution over those who are filled with doubt and concern and confusion about what your word has declared unto them. And so, oh God, we ask that you just step in and not just step in, but give them an awareness that you are here. That you are closer to them than any brother, any sister. And that you have the power and the ability to make it right. Dear God, as we enter into this new month, as we enter into this new week, God, we thank you that you've allowed us to make it this far. That your hand has held our hand on this walk as we enter into this last quarter of another year. God, you've been with us. The promises that you made to us in January, you're still fulfilling them right now. And so, oh God, our hearts are grateful. Our hearts are thankful that you have continued to be the God that continues to be with us and whose presence around us and whose strength and protection over encapsulates us. It overwhelms us. And so as we enter into this new week filled with many questions, not knowing what the next day is going to hold, God, we know that you are there. We know that your love is unfailing and it is unconditional. So no matter where we go, no matter who we are with, God, we know that you are there. And so as we leave this altar with the blessed assurance that you have made all things whole, that you've made all things well, we leave with a testimony. We leave with a testimony that it is no secret what God can do what he's done for others he'll do for you too it is no secret that if he healed somebody else oh God you can heal me too if you covered somebody else you can cover us too if you provided for somebody else oh God you can provide for me too
And so we have a me too testimony that if you did it for my neighbor, I know you can do it for me too. So we leave this altar with assurance that all is well, all is well, all is well. Let the body of Christ who believes in this declaration say amen, amen, and amen. Give him praise. Give him praise. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Amen. Never, never am I amazed at what God can do. Give God praise for what he has done today. encourage somebody that you can be picked last but God has a way yeah, I didn't I didn't end my baseball story but I was the second best player on that team that year that ain't, don't miss it don't miss it it ain't about trying to I, I'm not the hero I was picked last but God had plans for me. And I'm trying to help you in your insignificance. God may have plans for you. And the Bible actually declares that he does. Amen. Amen. Give God praise. I praise. Thank God for. Thank God for those whom he has called today. Thank God for those who have come to give their lives to Jesus Christ, to be baptized. Amen. Amen, amen. 
we keep baptizing, that means God is still in the saving business. Amen. Amen. I want to give, uh, thank God again for our Youth and Child of the Month for Amari and for Sanai. Give God praise for Amari and Sanai. And if you will, children, stand up. Give God praise for our children leading us in worship. Give God praise. Amen. 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 That's right. That's right. We are a church of about six generations, and we all know how to praise God. Amen. And God, just remember the Saturday coming, the 7th of October, 930, our church meeting. Uh, we haven't met since the onslaught of COVID, and so this is a time where the pastor is going to give uh, instruction, also, you know, vision and, and things of that nature that we're going to, and you're going to hear from the staff and others of what God has done in the midst of what we've gone through. And, and as you will see today with, the, with those, the numbers here, God is still very good and been very good to us. If you will, I want, I want to continue to thank you and want to ask you to remember your giving. Giving is worship. Amen? Amen. Giving is worship. There are receptacles on my left and my right as you, uh, and, and in the back. Amen. And in the back as you leave, if you have brought your gifts, your tithes, your offerings to give, give as you do. If you give online, or give um, by that another means, we ask that you continue to do so. And you don't give just to the local church. You give to the upbuilding of God's kingdom. Amen. Amen. Just want to reiterate on the, the, Tuesday the 3rd, we will be celebrating the home going of Sister Materia Woods. And we, we ask that everybody will be here. She was such a, an inch, a cog in our church. She was one of those folks that actually worked and her name was never called. And so we thank God for the ministry that she gave to our children. Over the years. Amen. So if you can't avail yourself Tuesday at 11 o'clock, please, to do so for her home going and to honor her family. Um, we would just again thank God again for Pastor Haynes as, on his absence. Uh, I probably will talk to him very soon after worship. I'm sure everything will. He had to preach down in Macon, Georgia today at a sister church of ours, a good brother. If you will stand on your feet, God be with you till we meet again. God be May God May He be with you May God God be with you Until we meet We be May he be with you. May God be with you. With me. Uh. Amen. Now unto him.
who is able, Lord, have mercy to keep us from stumbling and to present us blameless before his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God be glory, be majesty, be dominion and authority. May it be both now, henceforth, and forevermore. And the people of God said. Amen. Ah. Oh, ah. several ways to submit your tithe and offering. Online at www.thechurchwithzeal.org slash give. On Cash App at dollar sign the church with zeal. Via the Givelify app. By mail to Salem Missionary Baptist Church, P.O. Box 817, Lilburn, Georgia 30048 or in person at the church office on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. It's not necessary to wait until Sunday to give. Online, Givelify, Cash App, or mail-in contributions may be submitted on any day of the week. Thank you for your continued support of the ministry at Salem Missionary Baptist Church.